Welcome, my friend, to Next Level Change Success, a change conversation for leaders, project and change practitioners for today and tomorrow. My name is Therese Perez of MyVirtualChangeManager.com and I'm an experienced change and project professional and people leader with many years of experience in the industry. I love business and I love the people side of business especially. So nothing lights me up more than seeing people use change management, project management and strong change leadership to engage, motivate and inspire people and ultimately transform organizations. If you've heard about change management and have no idea of what it involves, then you're in the right place. If you know about change management but you want to take your practices to the next level, then this is where you should be. I'm going to share the stories of my experiences interview some fantastic people and I'm going to explore all of the challenges and opportunities that you face in organizations right now. So please join me and let's go and have some fun. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Next Level Change Success. My name is Therese Perez and it's great that you can join me today. I'd like to acknowledge that I am recording on Tharawa land and pay my respects to the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I'm recording. So today we're talking about revert or reimagine. And it's all about the opportunity that organizations are facing at this point in time. Obviously in early 2020, no one knew what was going to happen with this pandemic. In fact, not many people alive in the world had ever lived through something that was similar to this or even like it. So unforeseen circumstances um, and inability to control what was happening, all organizations and all government structures really trying to figure out how to approach the challenge that was ahead of them. And organizations were no different. So if we think about, and, and can I do a big shout out to the frontline workers, those who really carried community on their shoulders through this time and if you think about it the police uh, nurses doctors the medical whole medical industry really the teachers and parents in their own way have facing challenges of balancing work retaining work um, being employed and not knowing having that uncertainty and having their children at home more often than not because of lockdowns and restrictions. So really a lot of pressure points, a massive amount of pressure points, especially with not knowing what was going to happen in the future. So big shout out to the frontline workers, especially who really did, as I said, carry community on their shoulders. And I hope that in the future they are recognized for being the heroes that they are, especially because of the personal price that they paid during that time. continue to pay and I don't see think that we'll see the fallout fully from it until the next five to ten years as you see people who really have had to cope and potentially will buckle under the pressure without adequate support so it's really important that we get behind those who are in those roles now organizations type of organizations I'm talking about today are predominantly white collar I think different industries face different challenges. Certainly manufacturing industry face their challenges. Those who import, export face different challenges. Small business face challenges and many responded in different ways to keep afloat during that time. Now as there's a sense of normality, which almost seems 
uh, a little bit absurd because what we're seeing is how do organisations and individuals find a new normal and how do we settle into a routine of knowing but still not knowing what might be on the horizon. So there were some studies that were undertaken and I want to share those with you today and really discuss about the opportunity that does sit with organisations and leaders in organisations to in fact reimagine the way that they work versus those who may be just looking for that sense of security and looking at reverting back to the way things were and the struggle that they will have as a result of that. One of the reports that I came across, which I found really fascinating, was the Microsoft Annual Work Trend Index Report for 2022. It was called Great Expectations, Making Hybrid Work Work. I think it's really fascinating. It was 31,000 workers were surveyed across 31 countries. And some of the insights from the report were quite relevant and relatable. So one of the, the key factors that I found quite relatable was that 53% of employees are now more likely to prioritise health and wellbeing over work than they did before the pandemic. And I, I do find this really relevant because personally, that's exactly where I'm at in relation to my family and really prioritising the health of my little one and my other half and making sure that we are safe, secure, healthy, and that if there are any risk areas, obviously looking to mitigate those. And I suppose I say that because I work in projects, so obviously talk about a lot about risk and the, where I am on the risk spectrum insofar as risk and opportunity. Now, what does it mean around having you know, half of your workforce reprioritise? It, means that management are needing to reflect on how they can ensure that their workers are engaged but also respect the fact that workers are in fact calling them on the work-life balance aspect and I think that's really interesting because oftentimes in organizations they will highlight you know we we're all about family and we are a work life balance you know is what our company stands for yet people were still willing to prioritize work so therefore it kind of worked for the organization because they knew that even though they had the mantra they didn't necessarily need to do much to convince the worker of it they would just continue as they were so the change though in priority means that workers now may not be as die-hard around their organisation as they were in the past? And how do managers settle into that that's okay and still get the same outcomes from these workers? Which was a major driver and a major psychological shift for management was looking at how do we manage for outcome versus manage to task. And I think that the organisations who are intelligent in that space are the ones who did not find it challenging because they either already had a remote working proposition, or they already had flexibility um, in their DNA. I think the organisations that were perhaps less flexible were the ones that tended to struggle. And because they were less flexible, they wouldn't have had managers who were flexible in their mindset, so who might have had a growth mindset, and who might have been okay and managed to outcome. 
you might have had management who were more task oriented and needing to supervise their staff. In turn, the recruitment caliber they might have had in the organization may not have been optimized either for those who were happy to simply complete tasks but not really focus on outcomes. So a shift in uh, potentially workforce dimension and management dimension could be on the cards for organizations who are leaning into the opportunity around reimagining what their workplace may look like. Those who align faster and can adapt faster to that, in fact, would have a competitive advantage predominantly to their within their industry because of being so flexible and bringing that into their DNA if it isn't already. So really great opportunity and that would line up nicely with employees who are happy to prioritize health and wellbeing over work, but who are also balancing the need and understanding the need from their organization to deliver to outcome. So a bit of balance needed there. Now the other interesting statistic that was in this research was that 74% of managers surveyed said they don't have the resources or influence to actually affect and influence decisions in this sphere about whether, you know, return to work, return to the office or not. So just having managers, 74% of those managers feeling um, disempowered isn't of itself a really interesting indicator, which says that there could be just this decision platform led by senior leadership or executive leadership. And it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall in many boardrooms or boardroom discussions around return to office in or across organisations to listen to the different approaches. And I'm pretty sure that over the next five to ten years there'll be many, many research papers and many documents released regarding leadership and how they approach this situation, decisions that need to be made, and also correlate that to the success of organisations over the long term. Because I do believe that leadership, executive leadership teams who are sitting back and reflecting on the last two years and thinking what opportunity sits in front of us at this point in time to really recalibrate our workforce or to really look at the opportunity that sits in front of us are the ones who are actually going to be successful in the long term. Those who are predominantly looking at the concept of let's revert back to the way we were, bring people back in, that's the only way we can be effective. I feel it's a short-term task-oriented, potentially outdated edicts that in the coming years a price will be paid for because of the inability to recruit talent, because of the lack of flexibility and to evolve and adapt in an industry or within a field. So interesting times for, for that and interesting for middle managers or frontline managers who are feeling a little bit disempowered through the process. The other statistic that I found interesting was 54% of company leadership is out of touch with employee needs. Probably needs to be explored a bit and I've heard this through other arenas regarding their bias that sits with leadership 
and the inability for leadership to understand or empathise with their workers and their worker situations because they're not in a similar situation. Now, of course, this may not always be the case, but certainly, uh, you know, half of the people surveyed feel like that leadership is out of touch. Now, when we talk about bias, let's unpack that a little bit because I find it's um, interesting. It can be somewhat controversial, of course. Nothing isn't um, controversial, it seems, nowadays. However, when you look at the statistics and the gender bias that sits in senior leadership, when looking at the most executive levels and the stereotypical way of which, you know, once again, is a majority, it's not everyone, but it certainly is the majority, is that you have male leadership who might have a very traditional home base with their partner or wife being the primary carer of their children and the uh, father figure being at work and earning the money. So that traditionalist view, which still does exist within many, many industries, means that the pressures that executive leadership have are different to those of their workers. And so there could be that perception that, well, they don't understand because they don't um, appreciate the pressures I have because, you know, they're, uh, you know, I'm a primary and or a part carer with my young children. And when I was working from home and when I'm you know, remote working, it is easier for me to take care of my children. Whereas, you know, I have a male uh, you know, executive leader saying I need to come into the office because he doesn't have those same pressures. The other perception, which will be people's reality, is that, you know, executive leadership, they get the car parks, they get the drivers, they're not necessarily um, needing to take public transport and expose themselves to the illness or to COVID as much as myself. Um, and when I say myself, this is very much from the perspective of an employee who is not wanting to put themselves at risk. Remember the correlation to the first point I made around their employees now valuing their health and well-being more than they ever have before over work. So that really when you think about it from an unpacking perspective and also the broader social environment in which we live now where there's more angst to authority there's more challenge to authority than there has been in decades and as a result of you know obviously the level of control that government stepped into into our personal lives insofar as the request for vaccinations etc so it is very challenging in organizations and very challenging for leadership to really step outside of themselves and consider their workers and build the trust and maintain the trust through this time now i'm going to say it's not a matter of us and them is a matter of how organizations and their people work together at all levels to get genuine feedback to listen to that feedback and input and to find a common ground and find a common ground that benefits the organization as well as the employees and that does mean a conscious shift it means a conscious shift in capability 
so the the all of the different skill sets that managers and leaders had in the past ones that were often promoted but then forgot about when it came to going back to teams and implementing them so yeah managing to outcome is a very different skill set to managing to task and directing people to do activities creating the safe space in which employees can explore their own needs and with full respect of the organization in that context these are the things that are not easy to actually undertake and discuss but there's certainly areas that leaders need to lean into more and more to be effective and also to attract and retain talent a person who is really aspiring to achieve and move up the ladder also needs to have good role models who can show them and uh, show them freedom to try things to achieve things and not define overly define the boundaries of that if that makes sense and that's a skill you know it's it's a leader of leaders who those who want to excel will really want to recruit and retain organizations looking at their own pathway leadership exploring what it means to their people is really critical the concept of reimagine does open up possibility it does mean that every single policy every process the tools the systems that need to be put into play are up for review and are up for well what would our organ future state organization look like now that we know we're able to work remotely and still be effective what are the supports we need to put into place but also the other looming thing is around health and well-being in the workplace and especially mental health and one of the things i do want to touch on because once again i found this a really interesting statistic about the rhythms of the workplace is that the average teams user microsoft found in their study was spending 252 percent more time in meetings weekly than in february 2020. now that is definitely something that was an eye-opener but something i think is a symptom of the need to connect and how do we communicate if, if there isn't plans in place, a clear strategy for your organization, if there aren't plans in place across your teams, clear roles and responsibilities, the trust that you need. So anyone who undertook transformation during the time of between you know, February 2020 and now may find that they're still recovering, like that any transformation type work was taking longer to embed than normal and that's because the tyranny of distance or remoteness so the the fact that people were working from home the ineffectiveness of some people communicating online the rhythms of the organization which may not have really been stood up well in response to the challenges of remote working could have meant more disconnection and thus the need to almost overcompensate with meetings and so you're challenging times to say as an organization if you're not used to having 
the ability to connect in a hybrid way, and that hasn't been part of your core organisation rhythm, is reimagining what that might look like. And the tech landscape, of course, to support that may be inadequate. So a lot of different areas around policy, process, tech, people, really looking at transformation when you look at reimagination and opportunity and investment. But what's the long-term payoff in relation to that? So let's also talk about then the challenge from a change perspective. I mentioned before about transformation and there's no doubt that there will be a lot of transformation in the pipeline for those organisations who have really lent into the possibility post the pandemic about new ways of working as well as changing workforce as well as changing capability of skill sets of their managers, leaders as well as their employees. And there's a, a definite change from a re and, and, and a need to reimagine the change interventions pre and post COVID. Definitely when looking at in the what I call old days of face to face, you could certainly have a lot of morning teas, a lot of you know generate excitement on the floor, a lot of visibility physically within a building. However, now there's a need to cut through on both online as well as offline and also a need to connect both environments. So that may be restricted because of the lack of investment in technology in your organisation or it might be enabled quite nicely. So reimagining is really critical to sit with how would you approach change in a different way to create connection, create a sense of belonging and create a sense of choice. And people always find it a little bit challenging when I say that change is a choice, but it always is. Uh, it's about how you're open and transparent in your communication so that people are clear on the change when it's happening and what it means for them. And then they have a choice at all times around wanting to continue to work in a place that changes or not. And that is something that every individual can never be denied is that choice. And through change successfully being deployed and people being involved in creation of their own destiny in a way, especially even in relation to reimagining what work may be like. If you think about the statistic where I said 74% of managers surveyed said they didn't have the resources or the influence, well, what are the blockers to that and why aren't all levels of the organisation being involved in the discussion about return to office and the whole reimagining? How can we do things differently? How do we want to do things differently? What would it mean to you? It could create more employee loyalty than ever before if dealt with in a collaborative fashion. And oftentimes that's a preference for change, right? Collaborate, involve the people who are impacted to help make decisions and help be involved in the change, which means that you will have an undeniable loyalty in the future and buy-in at all levels of the organization. So you could treat this concept no differently and use some of the change and if not all of the change tactics that you would normally. I think that potentially HR related departments are struggling with that because 
this is normally what they are asked to do and to lean into. However, if you're in a HR area, if you're in a HR role, or you know of and can influence those roles, I would challenge those areas to also reimagine how they might want to approach this differently and create something that the organization and its people can be proud of and also engage in and own going forward which will certainly have everyone adapt faster and effectiveness of any strategies to be improved upon because of the involvement that people would have so think about that concept, the concept of reimagine. I like the word reimagine because it means that there's no boundaries. Your imagination, if you can imagine it, it can be a possibility. It may not be for now, but it may be something in the future. It certainly means that you're not um, reverting back and being too constrained. And there's some definitely appreciative inquiry and different strategies that you can use. I'll link put a couple of links in the the website on the this uh, podcast page for you to explore especially around appreciative inquiry and also growth mindset I'll never I'll, I'll probably never have a, a podcast episode that I don't mention about growth mindset because it is one of the key foundational elements for people to be able to create and move forward and adapt in environments and certainly from a change perspective around hybrid, you know, what does hybrid ways of working, how does that impact the change approach that you take? And we'll talk about that in the future. I hope that some of this information I'll link through to the Microsoft report is insightful, thought provoking, and has you consider how you might, if you're in a leadership role, approach things differently, how you have your people feel safe if you know that they're now prioritizing their health and well-being how do you have them feel safe to come back into the work environment if that's the preference and how, how you work with your people to do that on their own time which in turn as i mentioned will stem loyalty from your people without doubt so if you'd like to join us at www.myvirtualchangemajor.com Jump into the blog area and uh, for episode two and you'll have all the information and links at your fingertips. And remember, why does change management matter? Because your people matter. Thanks for joining me and I hope to see you in the next podcast. <laughs>